Andrea Tessman. Yes, Kirk Buckner. Look what I found. I got us a guest. Yay, we like guests. Yes, we do like guests. Fonda Bryant, someone who I've become very enamored with. We've uh, talked <laughs> quite a few times, but we've never actually sort of seen face to face. I've never yeah. seen you face to face, Kurt. Yeah, a uh, lot better looking in person, right? I know, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you lying. This is, this actually makes my day. Hey, <laughs> I do not lie. You're fine, Kurt. Okay. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Okay. Well, <laughs> technically, this isn't about... Fonda's not here to discuss our original song, but consider this a two for one because we're actually going to be looking at another number one song afterwards. And Fonda's got a great story because she is the daughter of that person, but not, <laughs> yes, but not of Bobby Goldsboro because I don't think anyone wants to be his kid. <laughs> Dear God. I remember that song as a kid though. I remember that song. What year did it come out? 1960 what? 68. Uh, 1968. I was eight years old. I remember that song well. But so, so I guess we should start off with that because I don't know how the hell this ever made the radio. This late 60s, you've got all this great stuff coming out of San Francisco. Motown's doing phen phenomenal. The Stones are, are putting out some of the best stuff. The Beatles have some of their great, the great music going on. And you've got Bobby Goldsboro. What the hell is this? This but you gotta remember now, back in the day, back in the 60s and stuff, they also had folk music on there too, you know, that kind of, um, cause I just think about when I was eight years old, um, we had a station here called Big Ways, which is now Case 95.1, but it wasn't FM like it is now, it was AM. And I remember his song, Honey, um, Bobby Gilbert would be on there with uh, black artists, with white artists. That's what I always tell young people a lot of times. I said, music is so segregated now. You got your hip hop stations, you got your easy listening stations. But when I was growing up, everything was played on one station, the Ohio Players, the Four Tops, Bobby Goldsboro, you know, um, just everybody was played on the same station. And I, and I think in a way that was really good because it helped me to like a little bit of everything. You know, when a black woman goes to see Aerosmith, black people ask me, what are you doing going to see them? But they have to realize my music journey, which was listening to a little bit of everything on a station like Big Ways. Okay. That's a great way. I was exposed to all sorts of music growing up. Um, mm -hmm. And it really, I think, expanded my horizons. But I think more my surprise with this song going to number one is A, mm -hmm. It's a terrible piece of music in a lot of ways. It lasted five weeks and it bumped sitting on the dock of the bay or- Oh, did it? I, I think it did. Or maybe that's what bumped it finally, but it was right around there or maybe it bumped Royal Orbison. Oh, Anyways, it, there was like some really big players mm -hmm. at this point that have lasting longevity. See, I didn't think it was a horrible song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know, because when you, now I'm going to tell you that song, man, what was that song that Vicki Lawrence made? Um, that was, to me, was a terrible song. Uh, the Night That the Lights Went Out in Georgia. Yeah, we haven't oh, got yeah. to that one yet. Yeah, yeah Eventually we will. Yeah. Thank That's you. a pretty terrible one, too. But this yeah. one, okay, so my issues with this song, it's a <laughs> cutesy, trite little melody, whatever. There's a lot of that going on at that time. Uh -huh. But the the narrator's just a dick. <laughs> he, the entire song, he's like, oh, I'm so sad I miss my wife. I made fun of her and laughed at her and she cried a lot. 
And I laughed when she hurt herself. And I came home and she was crying over nothing. I'm pretty sure he was cheating on her. She knew she was crying and she offed herself. She like oh, unalived oh, herself. That's that's my my well, current day. I shouldn't laugh at this, but we have to take on it. We he have to. An asshole. Well, okay. So I think we should look, go through the lyrics, right? So I mean, it starts yeah. off innocent enough. See the tree, how big it's grown. But friend, it hasn't been too long. It wasn't big. Uh, and he goes, I laughed at her and she got mad at the first day that she planted it was just a twig. So we already start off where he's laughing at her just for gardening? Yep. Uh, I generally, I think when you plant something, you hope it's going to grow. So I'm glad I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we didn't, you know, you didn't listen to, as an eight-year-old, you sure didn't listen to the lyrics back then, so maybe that's why I don't... You know what, you we know. talked about this the other week with yeah. the Macarena, too, about how politicians and school children were singing this song that is literally about this girl whose boyfriend's off joining the military, so she's sleeping with two of his friends. Oh. And they don't even hide the lyrics, but we all just sang along, just blind to that. I was... I think that's probably sometimes why they do songs like that because the music is so catchy. You're not really paying attention to the lyrics. Like, um, what's the song just recently with the Rolling Stones? I was singing that song, and then when when everybody was making a stink over it, and I went and looked back at the lyrics. I'm like, oh my god, Brown Sugar plays the song. Brown Sugar. Yeah, which they now decided. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't sort of like uh, talk about. uh... Yeah. Anyway, that's. <laughs> I knew it was a song about a black woman. I just didn't know it was about slavery and and all of that and raping and all that stuff. So again, when you don't really, sometimes you really don't pay attention to the lyrics until you get older, and then you're like, man, that song was really crap. I just Let's... wonder how my parents let me listen to half of the stuff that I was listening to and singing along with at the time. Yeah, <laughs> well, me being born in the 1960s, everything was about drugs. I mean, now you go back through it because my son and I argue all the time about rap music compared to what I listened to growing up in the 60s. And some of our music was pretty bad, pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Old Black Betty, I hate that song. And he played at football games. Ram Jam, that did not go no Black one. Betty, yes, sir. Or who, can anybody name that song where I remember we were flying along and hit something in the air? Remember that song? It was a terrible song. It was about a plane crash. I don't, I'm not sure which oh, one. Oh man, it was terrible. It was, the, the lyrics went, I was scared of that song as a child. It went, um, I remember we were flying along and hit something in the air, so. Like I said, thank God I was a kid. A lot of must, you know, must have been done by John Denver or JFK Jr. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> okay. All right. So the lyrics continue where he's making fun of his wife. Then the snow came out and she ran out to brush the snow away so it wouldn't die. Came running in, excited, slipped and almost hurt herself. And I laughed till I cried. I think if huh. she'd actually hurt him, hurt herself, he probably would have laughed till he, till he peed his pants. Yeah. Is that a domestic violence song? Uh, well, <laughs> no, but it's, at least it's, neglect, if not domestic. Like, yeah. how about how about verbal? Uh, maybe verbal cruelty. Yeah, emotional abuse. Emotional abuse. The thing is, these 
this keeps coming up in the song that, you know, oh, he came home late and she was crying over some late night talk show host or something. It's like, no, she was probably crying because she thinks you're off stooping some other woman. Like, yeah, actually, why is he coming home so late at this point? Unless he's doing some kind of uh, shift work. The, but, the late, late show is on? It's, it's even worse before that. She was always young at heart, kind of dumb and kind of smart. I talk that way about my dog. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like he's verbally abusive. Yeah. And then he goes, I surprised her with a puppy, kept me, all, kept me up all Christmas Eve two years ago. Well, so I guess what, he, he, here's a dog, now leave me alone. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Uh, and then it would- Again, I'm glad I was eight and didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and it would sure embarrass her when I came in from working late because I would know that she'd been sitting there and crying over some sad, silly, late, late show. And honey, I miss you, da, 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 da. She, she wrecked the car and she was sad. And so afraid that I'd be mad. But what the heck? Though I pretended hard to be, guess you could say she saw through me and hugged my neck. What the hell? So instead of consoling her and saying, it's okay, you're pretending to be mad when she's already upset. Pretending. Was he a one hit wonder? No. Uh, no. no. Uh, sadly, no. Uh, he had... A couple other songs. Uh, one of them's called "Watching Scotty Grow." Oh, I remember. I think I remember that song. I hope I was little when that was out too. Losing his virginity at seventeen to that's a another song. Yeah. Woman. Who was his writers? <laughs> uh, he actually not. I, I Mac Davis wrote the Scotty Grow part. That one. Oh, okay. Uh, but and Honey was written by Bobby something else. Russell? Everybody working, Bob, yeah, Bobby Russell, I think. But I'm not, Everybody working on this song was named Bob or Bobby, I think. I, I guess there's just a lot of Bobs in the 60s. <laughs> I came home unexpectedly and caught her crying needlessly in the middle of the day. And it was early spring when the flowers grew, bloomed and the robin sang, she went away. Uh, okay. Again, why is she crying... I guess Why is she was... always crying? Sounds like, she, I mean, I guess coming from my mental health and suicide prevention background, I think it sounds like she was almost depressed. She was yeah. dealing with depression. Well, yeah, it look at her husband. much sounds exactly like that. Yeah, she was dealing, I mean. She was dealing and, and with see, an so emotion. give y'all a little um, something to say. It said, and it was in the early spring. People always think that when people die by suicide, it's during the holidays and stuff, but that's not true. More people die by suicide in the springtime, spring and early summer. Oh, so, yeah. February is one of the worst months for it. Yeah. Interesting. Anytime, once we hit the spring months, that's when, the, and they don't know exactly why, but it's just this early spring and summer, especially when the, when the flowers start to bloom. So this is what this kind of sounds like. I don't think that's where he was going with this. No, I mean, that's not where he was going. <laughs> no, but it really, it really, every verse sounds like she was, she was being emotionally and maybe thinking about depressed and he's not being dead. around anymore. Exactly. Well, that's what happened. Because one day when, while I was not at home, which happened a lot, while she was there and all alone, the angels came goodness now all i have is memories of honey and i wake up nights and call her name of course we don't know what her name is unless her name really was honey 
I'm, so this really could be a song looking at it now that she was extremely depressed and took her own life. So this song could have been turned into something really emotional in that sense. If there was even the slightest bit of contrition or acceptance that he may have had a part to play in her death, but there's none of that. It's just, oh, I'm sad my- No self-awareness. No self-awareness whatsoever. I'd rather hear a, a hillbilly song where he just comes out and says, it, I beat my wife. Yeah. <laughs> not that, not that I'm not that I want people to do that. I want to be very, very clear. But, but it, it is something that 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 was it. She was extremely depressed. He didn't pick up on the signs and by his behavior, it just fueled what she was dealing with, and she just got tired of it and just said, you know, forget I, it. Oh my gosh. I wonder if the writer had any clue that's what he was doing. Well, this was what, 1960 something and look where we are now. We still dealing with this stuff. So we're also looking at an era though, where a lot of men still treated their, like this, the narrator here treated the, treated the women as more of a possession. Chattel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Domestic I mean, violence. I mean, you think about it, there were really no domestic violence shelters back there. Women didn't have no. a place to go to. Um, just because I mean, just growing up me, um, um, growing up in the 60s, uh, didn't know until years later, I had an uncle that had five children with his wife and five children with his mistress. And I'm just like, and it was so acceptable back then because she, my aunt knew, but she was a homemaker and she wasn't going anywhere. So you're right. Women back then, it was nothing for a man to verbally, physically, or both women back then. Because he was the provider and they didn't have any options. And she was at home all day. Yeah. And yeah. not being able to get out, isolated, no friends. That's a recipe for disaster. Not, and that's what the song made is. me depressed. And, and it's sung by this milk toast guy with great hair, I will say, for that era. Like the helmet hair. I mean, hey, back then, if that was the era, and I might as well. I mean, of course, if you look at pictures of him now where he's got the wig on, Where's the wig? It's gotta be. It has to be because it's it just doesn't look real. Yeah. At all. But well, you know, whatever. Uh, also, I don't think this guy can sing particularly well. Not particularly. It's it's more just near just it's like half singing, half talking. That's kind of the way it felt. Yep. So I personally like the suggestion that maybe the angels that came that took her away were the Hell's Angels and she just had enough of his shit and joined <laughs> Maybe that was it. I, I think that's that's the nicer way to, to look at this. Man, that wow. song is very depressing. I, I, I never thought we'd sort of make the Hell's Angels the good guys here, but maybe we did. <laughs> uh, so how did this go to number one? It went to number one... Like it was literally right when JFK was assassinated. I think there no, might be. No, wasn't it? No, that was. No, John, I was three years old when oh. uh, John Kennedy was assassinated. No, it wasn't John. Oh, oh RFK. Robert. R oh, Martin Luther King. Because no, it was King it was Martin Robert Luther King assassinated in what 1968. Yeah, it was Martin Luther King. Sorry, I'm totally getting my history wrong here. 
Um, I knew it was a big assassination. It was Mar when Martin Luther King was assassinated. So I think there might've been some sentimental ties to this sweet sounding song about does lamenting the death. If you don't, if you're not like dissecting if the not, lyrics. Yeah. Well, as Fonda said, she, she liked it as a kid. She thought it was a nice song. Well, did you like it or did you tolerate it, Fonda? Well, growing up then, um, like I said, I actually kind of liked it growing mm -hmm. up. You know, like I said, you weren't really, you heard the lyrics, but you didn't really hear them. Yeah. You know, and that's how it was, you know, kind of growing up as a kid. Um, now, when you look back on certain songs, you're like, how in the world did I not pick it up? But when you're a kid, you just yeah. get caught up in the, in the music if it makes you dance or if it makes okay. you feel a certain way you don't really pay attention but now when i go back and look at some of the songs that i liked as a kid they weren't cool uh, that's um, and i almost every week <laughs> <laughs> and honestly i think even as adults we do it we we listen to catchy melodies playing in the background and we enjoy them on the surface without actually looking at what they're talking about or mm -hmm. saying because so, there's no real meaning behind yeah. it because yeah, so I even like some rap music, and then my son has had to educate me on what they're saying. And when he tells me, I blush. So I'm like, hey, I got to get the clean version. So, yeah. Yeah. So, anyone who came here hoping that this was going to be something really nice about Bobby, we've actually gotten hate messages for us. Yeah, Fonda, we, we uh, got a hate message for us attacking Captain and Tennille. So, oh, that's right. Yes. Captain, oh my goodness. Yeah. Now people like who they like, and that's their, um, yep. I guess that's their icon. <laughs> well, so I guess uh, closing off here with Bobby. Bobby's still alive. Uh, How old is he now? Man, I, I just pulled him up. I think he's still alive. Uh, 80. Okay. So he's, my mom is 78, so they're about the same age. Yeah, so, and uh, he kept working. He did the, all the music uh, for Evening Shade, uh, the Burt Reynolds show uh, that happened. I think that was the early 90s. Apparently became good friends with, with Burt. Maybe they went to the same, that's probably who hooked him up with the stupee. Oh, could be. Could be. He also had his own, um, I mean, in the early 70s when everybody had a talk show, he had a talk show. And I didn't know. I, I couldn't even find, apparently that lasted three years and I could, couldn't find any clips on it on YouTube, which is nope. crazy considering how does a Everything show that exists you. three years not have any kind of recording or anything like, I don't, I don't know if he did skits. I don't know anything. I'm not even sure if some of the video I found of him performing might have even been from that show. I don't know. I have no clue. Man. So like I that 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 was bad. so if that would have been from '73 to '75, that would have been network television. Mm -hmm. So that had to have been seen by millions upon millions of people. But it's it's like it never happened. Man. Yeah. Who knows. But he also, so what else did he do? He, um, he, there was some kids show that he wrote and voiced and wrote the music for. Yeah, some, blah, blah. some puppet or something, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't be bothered to even look any further at that point. Yeah. Once I know that he's doing a, a kid show and maybe he's got the puppet in his hand, wanna watch Scotty grow? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Maybe, I just, maybe when we you asked if I'd heard that, 
I was just thinking, Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't yes. know. Watch Scotty grow. <laughs> I hate to tell y'all too, but he got in a little bit of legal trouble with um, being accused of. Oh, did he? Uh, yeah, he got in trouble for a pop country singer, Bobby Goldsboro, said he will obtain custody of his eight-year-old daughter if it takes every cent he's got because he had been accused of uh, uh, that the singer, last December alleged that the singer molested her and a friend when they were both 11. So he had charges of oh, uh, molestation. How did I miss this? I didn't see anything about that. Yeah, it says, hold on, I'm reading it now. Goldsboro's comments on molestation charges oh, said testimony about his daughter Terry, now 17, at Goldsboro's divorce trial last December, alleged that the singer molested her and a friend when they were both 11. Maybe that's what he calls his dick. Want to watch Scotty grow? Oh, come on. You had to know that that was the joke there. I know. But it just, like I said, it just, you know, with these artists and stuff, I swear, you just never know. No. You just never know. Oh, man. That's why I don't ever sit up and get caught up with entertainers because not saying all of them are bad or all of them are shady, but I swear to you, some of these older artists and stuff, it's just, I don't know. So is that a good transition into uh, your story, Fonda? <laughs> my dad. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know something, it is true because, um, you know, with me, with my father uh, being famous, I just don't really get caught up with celebrities. And part of it is, is because not all of them are good people. And my father was definitely not a good person. Well, let's tell everyone who your father is. Oh, first off, my father was the late R&B singer, Johnny Taylor, who had the first ever platinum uh, record certified by the RIAA disco lady in 1976 and that was really really a big deal because of the fact that my father um you know when you think about aretha franklin james brown some of those big big artists the temptations to know that he had the first platinum record is really something but at the end of the day for me i have to separate the entertainer from the from the father because he was a deadbeat dad never helped me, never did anything for my mom, but I will never take away the great entertainer he was. So that's how I'm able to deal with him. And you were recently uh, profiled in Rolling Stone. Yes. Uh, and you've done something pretty remarkable. And a common thread that Andrea and I sort of come across when we're doing this, this is what, uh, I think we've done like 55, 56 of these shows now. A lot of the artists that we talk about have been screwed over by a record company or an agent or so and it's fascinating to us how people have touched so many people's lives have made millions lived the rock and roll lifestyle as it were but by 40 don't have a whole lot to show for it and your father was a victim of a real of another one of those crooked deals. And I'd like if, if you could sort of tell us about that and what you did. Well, the thing is, is that when my father died um, 21 years ago, he um, had several record uh, companies. His first record company was with Sam Cooke, SAR Records. And then uh, when he was murdered, uh, his wife sold her share to two white guys that ended up selling it to APCO. So that's the... Uh, uh, that's the uh, 
uh, gospel side that we don't get much money at all. I mean, we get checks for a dollar and something from APCO. And I said, listen, just wait till it gets to $50 and send it because to get a check that small to me is not worth even cash. So then it was APCO. I mean, it's SAR, then it's APCO. Then he was also a part of uh, Stacks. And then from Stacks, he went to Columbia, which is CBS. And I don't know what happened at Columbia Records, but they went bankrupt just like Stacks, which I still have a hard time understanding how Stacks went bankrupt with all those great artists. They had everybody, Aretha, Elvis, all these great artists. So anyway, he ended up getting up under the Sony label after Disco Lady came out. And I don't know what kind of deal because I found out today my father did eight albums for Sony and did not know it till today. Oh, wow. Yeah, he did eight albums. They obviously didn't do well, but he did eight albums. So we're going to try to get the masters. Anyway, um, he um, went to Sony and allegedly Sony said he started borrowing, you know, getting advancements for royalties. I mean, getting advancements for whatever reason, because, you know, my father had drug and alcohol problems and that was probably some of it, but still it's supposedly. So anyway, they, when he died, um, we didn't get any money from Sony. And I started asking, hey, how come we're not getting any money from y'all? Well, your father owes us $100,000. And I said, oh, okay. I said, so as soon as we get that paid off, y'all are gonna give us our royalties. Yes. Now that was in 2002. Yeah, because it took us two years to sell the estate. So then we're um, waiting, waiting. Every year would go by the royalties. You know, first off, I had to learn how to read the royalties. And if you can read those, you need to get a million dollars because in that article in, in the Rolling Stone magazine, they said even people who work in royalties don't know how to read them. They're very complicated and it's by design because they don't a want a specific legal to degree to be able to actually understand that. Crap. Yes, but I figured it out. I figured it out because I'm like, wait a minute. First off, where's the hundred thousand dollars? And then all this money coming in, how come we don't see a deduction? They should have had it where we could see exactly, you know, us paying it back, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. So kept getting worse, kept getting worse. And I'm like, y'all, by now we should have paid this back. I, I got email after email going back and forth with Sony and they just blowing smoke. So finally, fast forward to 2020, George Floyd gets murdered and, uh, you know, racial uproar in this country and across the world. And James Brown's daughter, Deanna Brown, is one of my good friends. And she had an article about how Sony, well, first off, how Black artists were taken advantage of. And then it had on there, Sony was going to donate $100 million to social justice and uh, racial equity. And I, I lost it. I said, wait a minute. How can they sit up and do that when they're not even cleaning up their own backyard? I said, I'm not going to have that. So I reached out to Sony and told them in no uncertain terms, how can y'all sit up and say y'all want to um, you know, do all this social injustice with $100 million when it's on the backs of Black artists and artists that you stole money from. So it took two weeks. Sony reached back out. Fonda, we're in, we are no longer going to take y'all's royalties and we're going to give you back two years. And I said, I want a conversation with y'all. So mm -hmm. Andrea Finkelstein, who's been with Sony over 20 something years, she called me and said, you know, that well, Fonda, he really didn't borrow just a hundred thousand. He borrowed 50 here, 60 here, 70 here. And I said, well, where's the proof? 
Can I please see some cancel checks, some, some paperwork, something? Oh, Fonda, we don't have that. What do you mean you don't have that? So I'm supposed to believe that he borrowed all his money, but y'all have no proof. I said, so do y'all just normally just say, okay, an artist comes up and says, I need $50,000. Okay, take it. No paperwork. I said, y'all full of crap. So I told them when they told us that they were going to wipe out the recouping, and they were going to give us $97,000, which Geraldine, his ex-wife, gets 50% of that. We get the other 50%, nine heirs. Um, I wasn't happy with that. And see, this is what they kind of expect of heirs. They expect us to be dumb, greedy, mm -hmm. and desperate. If they flash $5,000, $10,000, oh my God, that's some real money. No, it's not compared to what my father did, what other artists did. No, it's not. So I said, I want y'all to put it in writing because I don't trust you. I said, Sony has a bad reputation. And they put it in writing and they said, my father still owed negative $72,000. That's how much he still owed. And I said, y'all, y'all just full of it. So how can they he did $72,000 if they have no records showing how much he mm -hmm. took? That's what I told them. I said, I'd love to see where all this money's coming from. I love this because I am an accountant. That's my actual mm -hmm. day job. And mm -hmm. all of this is this, this isn't your full time gig, Andrew. <laughs> you don't pay me to do this, Kirk. I just do this out of the I don't know. Least. <laughs> yes, but it was it was just really something because I said, how could it, we've gone from 100,000 20 years ago to now we're down to 72. And I see, I've seen all this money coming in. And I know it's a difference between writer royalties, publishing and all that, but still that should have been paid. So she said, um, we're going to do this for y'all as a one-time thing. And we're going to get y'all y'all's royalties. So I said, well, we're going to see about this. So when we started getting our royalties, uh, we can go in a portal and um, we can cash out our royalties anytime uh, like about a 10th and then we get them about a 15th, but it's still not much money. 300 here, 500 here. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, they, they got away with murder really to be quite honest. So um, I just happened to be on Twitter, which is my favorite. I love Twitter out of all social media because you can really contact somebody right away. I we yes, we did. Mm -hmm. So I went to um, Rolling Stone and I said, hey, I got a story. Y'all guys, I said, because something's not right with this. And I got in touch. Well, one of the writers reached out to me, Jonathan Bernstein, who did an excellent job on this story. And he wrote the story. I put him in touch with Tim, uh, who used to work for Concord Music Group that I knew very well, who used to help me with royalties because we get royalties from Concord Music Group. They talked to um, a person who used to work for Sony that left that I knew. And he talked to Ron, um, Ron Sweeney, who's a big time uh, attorney, uh, uh, entertainment attorney, and talked to some other people. And they said, I did a great job because they said, if this had been seven, 10 years ago, Sony wouldn't have done that. So now let's fast forward. Sony's gonna set up and come up with this new thing about um, now they're not gonna recoup anybody's royalties, no one. Oh. And they're trying to say it's because of them. It's not, it's because of me. Because if I, if that was the case, they would have told me when we talked on the phone or they would have told me in the email. So I told them again, I said, y'all lying. I said, if it wasn't for me shaming y'all, 
we would have never gotten this money. So this is what makes this so special. Sony is humongous. You got Universal, you got um, Warner Brothers. What I did with Sony was, is now, let's say, I looked at some of the artists that Sony has uh, under, their, under their name. Adele, Backstreet Boys, Alan Jackson, Alan Jackson, Alicia Keys, um, all these big artists. Oh, B.B. Rexa, who my son likes, and she is a pop star. And you know, for pop, they only have ever so many years to make their money and they're done. Yeah. Weston says she only sold 4,000 albums a couple of weeks ago. She's a perfect example of what could happen. So she goes to Sony and says, hey, I want an advancement of $100,000 against my next album or whatever. That album doesn't live up to the expectations. She doesn't make that kind of money to pay them back. They used to could go and take their royalties, but because of what I did, they can't take royalties anymore. Wow. They cannot take their royalties. So this is going to help. And I know everybody's like, well, Beyonce and Adele, they got plenty of money, but a lot of people had plenty of money back in the day and it can dwindle really quick. And then next thing you know, their, their heirs are going to would have to do the same thing that I did. So this is a big thing because now all of us are protected from Sony where they can no longer recoup our royalties and use, you know, take our royalties to pay back advancements. And it's not like it's Beyonce and Adele that need this kind of protection. It's the middle of the road artists, the ones that have one or two great albums and then yeah, are banking on a third and it fizzles or whatever happens that just comes up. You you can't, it, it's a gamble. What, what people are fickle. We don't know mm -hmm. that they're going to continue yeah. to enjoy mm -hmm. whatever the sound of the moment that you're putting out. So well, yeah, what you've done yeah. is incredibly beneficial to those yeah. like working artists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even what Beyonce knows, and I know they have plenty of money, oh, but I royalties mean, go for the rest of our lives. So yeah, some absolutely. Yeah, it could have. And, you know, we've heard artists who have millions and millions of dollars and go broke and not saying yeah. that they will. But to me, it's just a great thing because now it's like I, I hit that one domino and now it's, it's, it's hitting other dominoes because this is going to carry over into Universal and this is going to carry over to Warner Brothers and this is going to carry over to a lot of other ones. And by the way, I got an update today from Sony. Uh, the attorney who's going to help us get my father's master's and help us with some stuff, because I'm not finished with Sony. They said Sony hates this story. They hate it because it makes them look bad. And they are bad. Let's face it. Sony's bad. And they said that they want it to go away. Well, to me, if y'all would have done right by us in the first place, we wouldn't be in this situation. So you get what you get. I'm not a petty person, but I feel like Goliath and David, who went up against Goliath because it was no way this was going to happen if I hadn't shamed them into it. So I'm very proud to have shamed Sony Music into doing this. And it's such a giant catalog that your father had. Uh, is, is I'm still in shock. He had eight albums that we didn't know about. Well, and the amazing thing too, with, with the biggest hit that he had, I mean, he had that later in life, especially for an, art, an artist, I mean, younger than I am now, but was he would have been 42, I think, when Disco Lady went to the top. I think so, because he was born in what, 1934, May 5th, 1934. Right, so, yeah, so, yeah, and he yeah. died, it, yeah, because he was 61, 61, somewhere in there when he passed away, and that was in 2000. So that and was 20 years ago. 
also too, I mean, like you never know when a song from the past is going to be used for something big in the present. Uh, mm -hmm. Things come back all the time. And like, look, uh, Journey, uh, Don't Stop Believing, when Soprano- yeah, We sing that. that at the football games. Yeah. And I mean, you just that one never went like, away. Um, what's, what's that one song you hear? Um, it's a song, um, oh gosh. You hear Bill Withers' Lovely Day all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Lovely Day. You hear um, Lovely Day all the time. You know, and you hear some of these old songs. So, and then my father had songs in movies. One was a movie with Elizabeth Hurley. Um, I forgot in, uh, what the name of the movie was, but also in Baby Boy with uh, Tyrese, Jody's Got Your Girl and Gone. And somebody else had told me it was another movie his song was in. So again, these record companies to me, they know exactly what they're doing. And also, I'm going to tell you something, they know what they're doing. They bank on a lot of these artists being on drugs. They well, bank on it. This has come up over and over, as Kirk said, in, in our little dinky podcast here. So often, the record, record execs are all scumbags. They're all out to make mm -hmm. a buck and to screw over their artists. And they bank on they bank on artists being artists, not even being druggies. I mean, I have, my mom's an artist. She makes her living painting and teaching art. And she, she really struggles just, she doesn't struggle with doing her taxes and things like that. She's fine with it, but it's not what motivates her. It's not what moves her. Numbers don't motivate artists. Mm -hmm. Their art motivates artists. So an opportunity to make money and you know, uh, use your art as a method to actually provide a life for yourself. That's what motivates them. The details of all of this stuff, that's what the record companies bank on is that, well, they're not gonna, they're not gonna pay attention to that because that's not what they love. What mm -hmm. they love is their art. We're going to provide them an opportunity to do their art. And on the other side of it, we're going to screw them over for Mm -hmm. as much as we can because we we're banking on the fact that they are not astute when it comes to legal documents and numbers mm -hmm. and that's uh, not fair has yeah. this uh, transferred over to like a uh, streaming then fonda like uh is there money generated from like uh, yeah through sound like exchange and we didn't even know about that until actually andrea finkelstein told me what sony and um they're really dirty because jerlene his ex-wife who was divorced from him 10 days before he died she was able to sit up and use a fake a fake death certificate because she had marked she was still married to our father when she was not because they divorced 10 days before um, he died. She was able to forge that document and hold out to sound exchange that there were only two heirs. Only oh, that's two children. Wild. And she stole uh, 18 years and we're going to actually have to sue them and sue Sound Exchange because Sound Exchange is a nonprofit. And they said if we hadn't come forward within three years, that they don't have to pay us that money back. And I said, we'll see about that. So it's just all these things. But then I remember when I met Sam of Sam and Dave, and he told me he never did drugs or anything until he got in the entertainment industry. And they know exactly what they're doing because oh, what yeah. they it's almost like you sit down with the devil and he said, I'm gonna give you all these riches. I'm gonna give you women. I'm gonna give you drugs. And all you gotta do is sign your life away. That's mm -hmm. all you gotta do. And for some of these artists, when you think about my father came from Crawfordsville, Arkansas. 
And, my, and, and then you think about the trauma that a lot of these black artists had to deal with. That's how my mom met my um, father because he was uh, with the Soul Stirrers. He had taken Sam Cooke's place. And I remember as a kid, black men walking around with the ties around their head because they had their hair processed. My mom and those had the staple singers at the house. I remember sitting on Pop Staples lap and him telling us stories wow. because black people could, people were playing their music and dancing to it, but they couldn't go in hotels. They couldn't go in restaurants. So they come to my grandmother's house and take a breather. So that's trauma. That's why I said with, with African-Americans, we're dealing with generational trauma. I think about, I never forget watching a movie with the Temptations, Temptations Forever. And it was a Motown bus with the Temptations, the Supremes and all of them. And they came through a Southern town and people were shooting at them and stuff. Can you imagine the trauma? Like my father knows, they, um, Pop Staples told us a story when we were kids. And he said that they were coming through some Southern town and they were driving a Cadillac. And back then being a black person, how Cadillac was a no-no. And he, they were driving, they stopped to get some gas and a white attendant, gas attendant was gonna hit Pop Staples in the head with a tire iron and Purvis, his son, beat the man up. They jumped in the car and drove down the road and the police stopped them and thank goodness they didn't kill them. That's the kind of stuff they had to deal with every freaking day back then and, and, and hone their craft and get paid nothing for what they were doing. And, and I think that was one of the reasons that drove me to do that. I thought about all of those guys, my father, all of them had to be out there on that road, could get lynched, could get killed, had no law to protect them. So mm -hmm. I think that's part of the thing that drove me too with Sony is, hey, y'all been taking advantage of Black artists for a long time and, and it stops here in 2020. Yeah, that's amazing. I think you're, you're doing amazing work. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. You know, I just smiled today when I did that um, uh, television interview. I just smiled, I said, because here I am, uh, a woman from Gastonia, North Carolina, and I said, but I just knew it was wrong what they were doing. And I, and I truly believe it was divine intervention too, but I, I just know what Sony was doing. They had to be accountable because they've taken advantage of so many people. Clive Davis, when you look at him, because you know, he used to be the CEO of Sony. And when you look at what happened to Whitney Houston, for instance, the drugs, the alcohol, her beautiful voice, they just, somebody me they said when you go to the Grammys, it's drug dealers. And who's who made that song? Was it uh, what's my they said the drug dealers on speed dial nickelback? And they're not lying, they're not lying. Yeah, rock stars, they're there yeah. right there at the Grammys. Yep. That's right actually there. something that uh Andrea and I usually apologize to Americans for is nickelback. <laughs> I like them. Hey, what? they're my phone. I work out to nickelback. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, I like them. No. Yeah, seriously, I mean, when you think about it, though, it, it's just a one, I mean, like Aerosmith, I've seen them like, what, two, three times in concert. And it's something how they say they still have to keep chocolate backstage to, to keep that craving for heroin. Mm -hmm. And you're like, man, it's just, it's. I mean, I love music. I love live music. But when you kind of pull back those layers backstage, it's a lot of ugliness. Absolutely. And it's it's across all genres. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not, 
just rock music or just country music or just anything. And there's been movie after movie that have mm. just detailed that. And there's been so many talented artists that have been ripped apart by oh, drugs. Still recently. Still recently. Still recently. He, absolutely. Rihanna almost, who just became a billionaire apparently. Uh, but at, uh, when she first came out, uh, there was a story that she will almost filed for bankruptcy, like two years into her career. Oh. Rihanna. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, mean, I mean, it certainly obviously worked out well for her, but TLC, there is this famous thing, I think it might have been at the Grammys, I'm not sure, but uh, where they, they were at the awards, and this is when Waterfalls came out, their biggest hit, and they said, we're broke. Mm -hmm. What about um, 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 New Edition? They came back on tour and said they had $100. And see, that's why I'm saying why these deals, this what I did, it's going to help them. Because I yeah. know Bobby Brown and some of them have definitely taken out advancements. Now they don't have to worry about paying that money, you know, paying their advancements back through through royalties. So, yeah, because I, I saw that new edition story and they were out there on the road working hard and came back home with about $100 in their pocket. And see, that's what people think. They think, oh, man, they got, they're got they out here putting up all these hits. They're making all this money. And that's what Ron, um, Ron uh, Sweeney said, the attorney. He said that the royalties that a lot of people say, I mean, get is pennies on the dollar. Because mm -hmm. people tell me that, I'll tell, oh, y'all must be getting a killing in royalties. No, we're not. I've gotten royalty checks that's, like I said, been a dollar or something, even from some of the other labels like BMG, BMI, $33, $55. I don't think I've ever gotten a royalty check from BMI or BMG over $70. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. seven, over seven. I, I don't think I have. The two biggest checks that we get, what well, are two record companies we probably get the most, is Malico out of Jackson, Mississippi, and that's another shady company. Uh, and then um, uh, Concord Music Group out in Beverly Hills, California. Those are the two. And one in, in uh, Beverly Hills, it's, it's dropped off big time. Actually, after learning you were on TV today, I'm really uh, honored that you came on our show. I was thinking I'm on that. that. Like I told you, I think, you know, the thing with me is I'm always going to stay, you know, stay humble because I, I've always been a big person on helping people. That's why I love doing what I do with mental health and suicide um, prevention. It's a great feeling to give of yourself. And, and, and you just won an award for that, right? Huh? Yes, I did. And I'm, you know, the thing is, Kurt, I don't, when I get an award for my work with mental health, it makes me very uncomfortable. You know, I won the National Remarkable Woman of the Year this year. They flew me out to Los Angeles, put me up in a beautiful hotel, gave me spending money, and I had to call my therapist. Because in my mind, dealing with depression and anxiety, I didn't even feel like I deserved it. And that's what mental health does to you. It beats you up and makes you feel less than. I don't care how much money you have, where you live, you college educated. It doesn't care about that. And then um, just um, in September, I won an award for my work with mental health. And like I said, I get a lot of anxiety from that because my real reward comes from helping people. You know, somebody, I had a college student at East Carolina reach out to me just a couple of weeks ago. I did not know her. She said, Ms. Fonda, I got your number from, she didn't even tell me. I said, that's okay. What can I help you with? I'm struggling, Ms. Fonda. I've been thinking about, you know, I don't want to be here. And I work with her. And as a matter of fact, tonight, she sent me a text and she said, Ms. Her family doesn't want, they, 
it's that stigma. If they go get help, everybody's going to know. So we work together and her dad is going to make sure she goes to therapy. So that's where my reward comes from. Stopping them from going down that path of suicide or putting them on the path of uh, mental wellness. So when you're in this kind of field, it crosses all across my life that I'm always going to stay humble. I'm always going to help people because that's how I was in the first place. You know, so I, anytime y'all want me to come on and talk or anything, Absolutely. I'm more happy um, to do that. Well, but I, 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 I guess just, Nickelback, because you'll be the defender. Andrea and I. Yes, I'll be the defender of Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. I sure will. Hey, I like that song. That fact is right there in my thing. All right. Well, right to the ground. Uh, and, and one 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 plug, because uh, you've got a podcast too. Uh, what's it called? Where can people listen to it's it? It's called um, Wellness Action Recovery, the War Podcast. And the acronyms of my nonprofit our war because we have to go to war every day, just getting up out of the bed, you know, um, going to work, being able to make it through the day. We also go to war with the public to let, you know, because people think we're crazy, we're nuts, we're psycho. So my podcast always had that mental health twist. And I like to talk about um, current stories and um, sports stories that's, and it has that mental health twist. Like, you know, I'm gonna be talking about Calvin Ridley you know, who just took a break from the, from the Atlanta Falcons, and yet he's getting flack from um, uh, an NFL player on, uh, what's that show called? Um, not pardon the interruption, oh, but uh, uh, speak for yourself. Um, Marcellus Wiley, he oh, said, yeah, 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 yeah. and I quote, he said that uh, uh, the NFL is not for the mentally the mentally weak or ment uh, or physically weak, he said, um, you need to get a job at the post office if, if you know if you're mentally weak or mentally, um, yeah. So we're gonna have a little it's conversation. So wrong on so many levels. Yes. And also, I can guarantee you the number of mentally weak people in the NFL is probably staggeringly high in mm -hmm. terms of all sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. But you know what? The thing is, I tell people all the time is that this is a societal issue because what he said, yes, is terrible. And he said it on TV. But how many of people that I talk to or everyday people say ugly things like, oh, they're crazy. They're nuts. Mm -hmm. They're psycho. They're cray cray. So hey, you how can't many people judge other that? people when they're doing it. How many people say that about themselves on a regular mm -hmm. basis? Well, that's and called internalizing stigma. Exactly. And that's something that all my friends that they now do when they sit up and say, well, they'll say, so-and-so is crap. They'll look at me and I say, yeah, they know what <laughs> I'm thinking and they stop. Just like people say, commit suicide. I say, y'all, you don't commit suicide. You commit a crime, you commit a robbery. It used to be a criminal act to take your own life. So even little things like that, that you change can help stop stigma and help people to get help. So again, I'm always grateful to be here and I take one day at a time and I never take for granted that I'm here because I'm still battling depression. I might look great, but <laughs> I have that. Absolutely. You know, I have, and, and that's the thing with a mental health condition. You can look perfectly healthy on the outside. We don't look like we have like people with cancer and other physical conditions, but we can be struggling just as bad. So nope. Always going to stay Fonda. Anytime y'all need me, uh, come on. And I love this anyway, where y'all dissect songs. I think that's really neat. Oh, we'll, we'll, de we'll definitely we have love, you I will never back. look at that song the same <laughs> ever. Well, you may never <laughs> even hear it again. I don't I don't even know where that Well, you know, we have that. Like, you know, you got to ease. What do you call those? Um, 
elevator music stations here, kind of the easy listening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, and we do have a station in Concord, uh, 98.3, and they do play oldies. So I'm sure they played it before, but I will never. Very, very well possible. Uh, moving on an island, all I hear is soca all day. <laughs> I will never look at that song again the same. And I will always think of it now as that that lady was dealing with depression and she needed some help. And like she said, Andrea said, her husband was clueless, but it was a different gen. And that's that's really something though, because that was a different generation. The Absolutely. beaver cleaver, mom stayed at home, husband went to work. Well, men are that still clueless. That hasn't changed. No, it's gotten a little bit better, <laughs> a little bit. I'm working hard to change, but a little bit better. But I think y'all show is great. Oh, thank so you. I, 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 did y'all, so do y'all do this every week where y'all dissect the song? We yep. do this every week. And Andrea gets I to pick the song. I want y'all to dissect Black Betty. <laughs> well, Black Betty never went number one, so. Oh, so it has to be something it, that went It has to yeah. be something that hit the billboard number one. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, I know. What about the song by uh, Redbone, Come and Get Your Love? Did that go to number one? Yes, it did. That's a great. And, and by the way, we were talking about it, commercials. It was a, a song for, um, what song? What commercial was it? It was for a product. Uh, Come and get your, I, Applebee's. Not, Okay. Apple oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, not only that, because it got part part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. and uh, another Netflix cartoon, F is for Family, uses that one. So okay. somebody's were they a one hit wonder? Of hmm? Were they a one hit wonder? Yes. Uh, but yeah, an interesting group too, because uh, they're they're uh, all Native American. Yeah, they were so all Native American. That's something that we can look at. But usually, we like to look at bad songs. Oh, so you yeah, because that's a no, great song. always. We've thrown in some good ones too. The Wilders, we well, y'all can do how about the night, the night that the lights went out in Georgia? Well, that might be it. I don't know what Andrea picked. We alternate so, picks. What what I have picked for next week um, is Rick Springfield. Jesse's oh, yeah, girl. I, like, oh, I hate that song. I oh, well, it. Fonda, do you want to come back for that? Well, if y'all ever want me, I hate that song. When it comes on the radio, because I like 80s music. Yeah. And when I've gone up to a football game and I'm coming back on Saturday nights, 102.9 plays 80s music. Mm -hmm. Every time that comes on, I turn the radio. I love Can't that song because Jesse is a friend. You know, he's got a good friend of mine. But lately, Let him stick to acting on General Hospital. <laughs> is that still on? Yeah, yeah, he was on uh, Rick's oh, But is that show still on? General Hospital. Oh yeah, he was Dr. He actually, what was his name? He, Rick Springfield. Yeah. He had a pretty prolific acting career as well um, as, you know, as he's got That's a good older. song, Andrew, for y'all to tear apart because that, well, I, and that's I, a typical, I'll be defending I don't that care one. how many 80s, all of the music, like, you know how, um, what's that station? Uh, Sirius XM will give us, like, for the holidays and stuff, they give you that um, free weekend, you know, you can listen to it. I swear with all of the music in the world on the 80s station, they always got to play that. Oh, yeah. Massive song. <laughs> well, go ahead, Andrea. I think, so do you always pick the songs? No, we, we switch week to week. Okay. Well, we I'm going to, I'm going to listen to, I'm going to start watching this now because I think that's fascinating <laughs> that y'all tear songs up. Sometimes, uh, yeah. Sometimes, and sometimes we sometimes get. Sometimes we support them. So the y'all, is it always, so y'all go back and forth, you support some and some are. It uh, depends what it is. I mean, like, like last week we did uh, "Come On Eileen" by Dexy's Midnight Runners. Ain't saying that either. 
I, I couldn't as a kid, I'd come to actually appreciate this group a lot more because I never did a deep dive on Dexy. Didn't they win a Grammy? Grammy? I think they won for Artist of the Year that year. I, I think they did. I believe they did, yes. Yeah, I think they did. And then we never heard from them again. Well, they didn't, yeah, but they did in the UK. They were they had they were actually very, very big there for a longer period of time. So we looked at a lot of what they did. And I think we pretty much successfully analyzed why that became a hit because it was very different from what was going on then. This song, well, we couldn't really figure it out. <laughs> We've well, done everything know, from um, Oh Mickey to... Yeah, that reminds um, me when I was pregnant. I can't stand that song. To, you said uh, you liked everything in the 80s and we've just named three except for that. things that you hate. Except, I, see, I'm going to tell you in the 80s, Big Duran Duran. Big Duran Duran. It, it's not hardly anything that Duran Duran put out. And then one of the songs that they put out in the 90s is one of my, I think it was my anthem for what I was going through with depression and anxiety. Um, Come Undone. Mm. That's probably one of my favorite yeah, songs about them. And that describes exactly how I was feeling at that time. So, and I'm, not, and I'm gonna tell you something else. Y'all need to go back through some of the um, the best, you know how the Grammys had, what was the best new artist? Do y'all remember the, the group Soul to Soul that had Back yes. to Life? Yeah. What happened? To the, now they had two songs. They had Keep On Moving. But uh, I, what happened to them? I think, I think, I, I could be wrong. I think they had a, Apologies if I have this wrong. I think they had a really serious bus crash. Oh. Uh, I, Was that I, I thought that might have been Arrested Development. No, that wasn't them. The Arrested Development put out a crap album and then they were done. Yeah, because that's what I'm saying. When you look at even some of the best new artists that came out, because when Soul to Soul came out, I thought mm -hmm. they were going to be around forever. Uh, they oh. should have been. Oh, well, a lot actually, we of the that. best we're... new artist fizzled immediately afterwards. Remember when we did a Starland vocal band, Andrea? Afternoon Delight? A song Afternoon Delight. I didn't know that song was nasty until I got older. Just like oh. Disco Lady. I didn't know Disco Lady was <laughs> I didn't push it song. in, pull it out. Come on. I did not know that. I didn't. I did not know that that song was nasty <laughs> until somebody said, Fonda, that song is nasty. And I was like, <laughs> Or how about this? What yeah. about my, um, what about Donna Summer? I feel love. Remember that song? And oh she yes. Was, yes. Remember that thing was about nine minutes long. Oh yes. I feel oh, love because yeah. I listen to that sometimes too. Five minutes longer than I usually last. <laughs> I was waiting oh. for that joke, Kirk. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, when you look back on some of these songs, and you just can't help but to get tickled when you think about some of, they had a lot of meanings that we didn't, you just be sitting up singing, I feel love. And what was that other song that they yanked to Donna Summer that they wouldn't even play? I love to love you, baby. Well, I, I don't know, it was, but yeah, but it's because she's just doing orgasms in the middle, in the song, like, uh, I'm not gonna try to do that, yeah. <laughs> Please don't. Well, yeah. well, well, mine's usually this now at this point, stage of my life. <clears throat> Sorry. We're going to lose viewers if you keep doing you that. Y'all are really hilarious. I'm telling you, I'm surprised most people don't know about this. This is, I mean, this is really a unique podcast. I really like it because where y'all go through and rip songs. Well, I mean, if you want to, y'all never rip one well, you're, of you're welcome. You're welcome to come back next week if you want to, because I'm going to be defending Rick Springfield here. I like this song. Have y'all ripped Madonna yet, Andrea? We songs? have not attempted Madonna yet. 
That's that's like a mountain. She's yeah, up she's here. She's going around now showing her butt cheeks at what 60 something years old and dating yeah. a, a young man young enough to be her son. Oh, if not grandson at this point. Yeah, yeah, because he's 23, 24. I yeah, said, oh, Donna, wow. do what you do, girl. Well, y'all are awesome. I really <laughs> enjoyed this tonight. I needed a good laugh because I'm, oh, I'm tired. Our pleasure. I got to speak tomorrow at a, I'm at a high school all day tomorrow. Um, they had invited me to come um, to talk to them about mental health and suicide prevention because they're starting a mental wellness uh, initiative. But the same school, which is a great school in a nice area, I love their principal. Um, they had, um, they found two guns last week Ooh. and some students got into a fight and these kids got to quit videotaping stuff. And they were fighting and the gun fell out of the person's pocket. So we're going to have a nice little uh, conversation tomorrow, with, especially with black kids and let them know, guys, it's not a given that we go to school with white kids. A lot of people, black and white, had to die. And I think these kids really take for granted that they don't realize our history, how many people had to die. So one of the things I'm going to say to the kids tomorrow is uh, for the black students, I'm saying, how many y'all came to school this morning and white people were out there spitting on you and screaming and calling you the n-word how many y'all came to school to that none of you and i'm just going to kind of talk to them about it and say you know something um i'm going to use the example of viola lunzo who came from uh michigan she was white left behind her five children came from michigan drove all the way down to mississippi or alabama she was riding freedom riders around clan saw her shot and killed her and so one day I was substitute teaching and the kids were just off the chain and I was like, okay, I've had it. So I said, y'all, if, if uh, Miss Lunzo was here, if she was here, I said, now, remember she died and left behind five children and a husband and her reputation, the FBI ruined her reputation, said she was a communist, she was all this stuff and she wasn't. I said, so if she was here right now, sitting right there in that chair in the corner of the room, give me one word to describe how she would, what she would say about how y'all acted in here, disappointed, angry, upset. I said, okay, what are y'all going to do to change that? I said, she's dead. She didn't get to see her children, her grandchildren, uh, go to weddings, graduations. And I said, y'all come to school and act a fool every day. I got on them. So that's the same thing I'm doing tomorrow to remind them that them going to school, is not a given and they should take pride and come to school. And this bringing guns to school where it used to be when I was in school, people would get into a fight get suspended two or three days, come back to school. Everything's fine. Now they want to take a life. Yeah. They want to take a life. A, a schoolyard fight when I was a kid was someone at the very worst might have a broken nose. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it's. Now they're getting to bring each other. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no weapons involved. Mm -mm. And, and a lot of it is bullying. And I tell people all the time, we are, we're not a, um, we're not a, we are a mean society. And it's not just the kids, it's the adults too. No manners, please, thank you. All of that is gone. And that's part of the problem. So I'll be over there all day tomorrow and I know I'm gonna be drained, but anytime I can touch students and have them thinking and to change the way that they've been thinking and get them options, that's what I'm there to do. And a lot of kids come up to me and tell me, Ms. Fonda, I don't have anybody to talk to. Parents should be the first line of conversation. They should. So I feel for these kids. I, I really do. I, I feel for them. But at the same token, um, this bringing guns to school, that's not the answer. 
that's not the answer. I'm so glad I'm not that, that age anymore. You're out there fighting the good fight, and I, I am. So I'm trying, much Andrea, for you. So well, much. Thank respect. you, and it's so nice to meet y'all guys. But y'all keep this up because it's just wonderful. And I might not always get on here, but I definitely am gonna start following this because I think it's <laughs> hilarious. But I also think it's seriousness in it because Andrea and I kind of figured out that that lady and Bobby and Honey was probably dealing with depression, and she might have even taken her own life, which is kind of sad, but. It's, it's great that y'all go into depth about those lyrics because a lot of us didn't know, don't know. So y'all keep up the good work. Oh, thanks so much. I'm gonna tell my friends about y'all too. Oh, All right, you do that. It. Is it any way where I can share some of these on my Facebook page? Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link when it's all done. Okay. And with that, with that I, everyone, stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you all next week. See y'all guys. Take care. Bye. Nice meeting you, Andrea. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a good night. You too. Bye.